looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Pass the Post. It's Sunday the 8th of August, yes, presented by Archer Park. Go to that website, all those horses that are there for sale, you might be buying a Magic Millions winner, you never know. ArcherParkRacing.com.au. They do take racing ownership to the next level. Ben Dorries takes everything to the next level. He's joining me this morning. How are you, mate? Yeah, good day. It was a terrific day of racing yesterday. Spring was really in the air. Just a sniff of spring, wasn't it, with some of those, uh, you know, good races, the Missile Stakes and the, and the Rosebud in Sydney and the, the Ori Star in Melbourne. And there was uh, some nice racing uh, at Dooman as well. And, of course, Queenslanders now are anxiously waiting in the next hour to find out whether we will all get out of lockdown. And the signs seem fairly promising, but we'll have to wait and see. You're spot on. There was a sniff of spring in the air. We had, uh, as you said, the, the Group 2 missile, the Group 3 Ori Star. And, of course, up in the north as well, they had a huge day at Cluden Park in Townsville yesterday. They had the uh, Townsville Cup and the Cleveland Bay. Had the chance to watch the Cleveland Bay after the race has finished at Dooman. And the crowd, they were there from the home turn, 10 deep, watching a Fortification win the Cup and then Master Jamie winning the Cleveland Bay. We'll talk more about North Queensland racing a little later in the program. But not only was it group racing uh, commencing yesterday for the new racing season, it was a great Queensland result. This will be our first replay. The Group 2 missile, in the end, Colding was well back, 380 down to 320. It met for Seeker in the market. They were co-favourites at that price. For Seeker held together at the 400 by three quarters now on Colding. Fobator pushed on and then came chat. It's for Seeker. Pop the question now. Fobator's coming off the fence. Colding hasn't got much left in the tank and Fobator lays it down now to for Seeker. Chat is sticking on. It's Fobator racing to the lead late and Fobator goes on to win the missile stakes. Beat chat and for Seeker third, then Viridine late. Colding weakened but stuck to the task. Then came Hightail high and the last in was Riadini. Well, he was initially easy in the betting, but he firmed up late to run at 5.50. Favitor is his name. Tommy Berry is his rider. His trainer is a man who started his career as a steward, ambitiously switched to training, and now he's uh, reaping the dividends. His strike rate is outstanding, and yesterday was his biggest success as a trainer. Michael Costas is his name, and he's our first guest. Michael, good morning and congratulations. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Now, I was at Dooman yesterday. You were as well. When that horse uh, went down to the line, there, were no, there was no patrons at Dooman yesterday. I've never heard a louder, a louder <laughs> cheer or, or a, a, a jeer. But it must, was it you? I didn't think you were big enough to actually produce as, as much noise as that. Yeah, we gave it some. It was just myself and racing manager Michael Morrison in the betting auditorium there, and we're the only two, but... Coming down the straight, we uh, I think we shook the stadium and the media boys came out, the jockeys came out of the jockey room and, yeah, we uh, we rode him home. That's uh, not quite true, Michael. I was actually uh, standing next to you and I saw every minute of your, your celebrations. I've never watched <laughs> anything, anything like it. But you really rode the emotions of the entire race, didn't you? Like when he sort of was just a bit slow out and then got into the, the, the nice spot. I mean, I got the feeling just standing next to you watching it, basically going bananas. It didn't take much away from everything that you weren't actually able to, to physically be there because of COVID. Was it, was it just as exciting almost watching it on TV from Brisbane as being there, do you think? Uh, yeah, look, it's a, it's a big win and you've got to celebrate it with the, under the circumstances you've got. I, I don't think that'd be anything quite like being there because you know even waking up this morning and going into the stable and you couldn't quite give the big big boy the horse a big hug and a hug and a kiss you know he's our uh, he's my best mate and uh, he's, uh, he's deeply loved by all, all the stable staff so it's a little bit it's a little bit different to, to actually being there but uh, we made the, the most of what we had he, he was well placed in that race because he had an important thing on his side, which was fitness. He had a good jockey and a good gait and he had a good run, but you've still got to win, and that he did. His record is seven wins from 12 starts. This is his fourth racing campaign. He's a six-year-old. Give us the background of this horse, why he's so sparingly raced. I purchased him from the, the June Magic Million sales for 55000 and he uh, we took took a bit of time with him. He's a he's a big boy. He came back in this preparation over 600 kilos, so he just took a little bit of time to to furnish as well. But 
He was uh, he was up and about in racing, but after his Doomben win last prep, he just wrenched a joint. So we had to give him about eight months in the in the paddock, and we just took a little bit of time bringing him back up to speed, just because of how how gross he came back in. So there's been a few little speed bumps like that, but look, he's uh, he's had a flawless preparation this time around, and I know he did have a couple of runs under his belt, but he still was a month between runs and had to do the travel down and, and uh, not be in his, uh, in his backyard. So he did have a few things against him, but he, uh, he, he, was, he was pretty dominant and Tommy was very bullish when I spoke to him on the phone last night. Michael, as David alluded to, your strike rate lately has been absolutely fabulous. It seems just about everything you're, you're saddling up, you're, you're winning with. I mean, even I think half an hour before you, you won a race um, at Doomben. I mean, there's some big-name trainers sort of moved into the Gold Coast, you know, the Lee Freemans and John Moores. But, I mean, you're, you're sort of, you know, your strike rate's better than anyone's, really. What do you put that down to? Is there something that's just, A, you know, just got good horses? Has something clicked with your training methods in the last sort of six months, year? What's what's the sort of reason for that for that stunning strike rate you've got at the moment? Yeah, there's a look. There's a million variables that go into getting a winner, but I don't think it's uh, last year as well. We finished in the top five winning strike rates, and the year before that, we were still at 25%. So I think the the main thing, firstly, is that we're just getting more runners to the races. So there's more of a more of a ripple effect, and we're starting to um, people are starting to take a little bit more notice of the stable. So it's it's definitely not overnight, but. Um, look, the, the, the main thing is we place them the best best way we can. We definitely don't have the best horses. Our buying power is still around that sort of thirty to fifty thousand, and just picking up a few tried horses um, here and there. So, and the next thing is probably the main focus is um, is just running them when they're well, and we do trot ups every every week, uh, multiple times a week. And if I ever think that they're they're not a hundred percent going into the race, we'll uh, we'll hold on to them. So it's just producing them when they're well. This show is presented by Archer Park Racing. They're, they're big about getting owners into the business. This has always been one of your your main goals as a what a not not as a rookie trader. I mean, you, you're more established than that now. But you've always seen the need to get as many owners as you can. It's very important. Yeah, well, I've uh, I had no family ties coming into in this game, and I bought one tried horse for for about five thousand. Only had a couple of horses my first two seasons, so. Uh, without having stud support or, or big owner support, I, n- I needed to get new owners um, in because uh, there's a long list of trainers that established owners would go to. You've got the, the Wallers, the Snowdens, and uh, even up here, the Gollans and everything of the world. They're, they're not going to go to some little Greek bloke, which is just kicking off. So you've got to uh, you've got to try and tap into other wells and and uh, try and buy value horses and, and syndicate them that way. It was just on the back of elbow grease because um, no-one's going to give it to you on a silver platter. Michael, you're, you're low-flying at the moment, um, but, you know, there was a time when you weren't doing it so well. I'm going to read you some quotes that you gave me for a story that I did with you in 2015 for the Career Mail, reflecting on your life a few years earlier. Now, these are quotes from you. One night, I went to the Racing New South Wales Night of Champions and all the racing people were getting picked up in flash limousines. At the end of the night, my missus and I realised we didn't have enough petrol in the car and we didn't have any cash. So we slept in the car in the car park and watched all the racing people in their suits. In their suits. I spent most of that year sleeping in the car because I couldn't afford to pay both the stable rent and the house rent. Now, that's just extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, when you, when you reflect on that, you must think, gee whiz, how far have I come? Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a blur all back then. And uh, look, I still had uh, had family family support there uh, from from mum and dad, but it was just the living uh, living a little bit far far away from travelling from mum and dad's to to the stables every day just made it a bit bit difficult. And from coming from maxing out the credit cards just to uh, to keep keep the business going. And there was plenty of times there where um, probably should have should have given up, but. Uh, we stuck solid and uh, no, hopefully uh, still got a long way to go. There's no, no doubt about that, but uh, hopefully it's heading in the right direction. Well, you're a success story and so is your horse, Favador, but uh, I suppose what's the plan, Stan? Where do we head now? We're going to bring him back home and just let the dust settle. Uh, winning yesterday keeps keeps all the options open, but he's a Magic Millions horse and uh, we'll, we'll more than likely shown yesterday that he's uh, that he can run fresh in a month between runs, so we'll bring him home and 
just keep all sprint race uh, options open. Of course, he won that quarter of a million dollar three and four year old Magic Millions race in 2020. So he certainly got um, good prize money on the board now and yesterday's Group Two win as well. Just before we let you go, it would be remiss if we didn't mention this um, uh, She Can Sing. Uh, very impressive yesterday. Made light work of a wide alley. Ran time. What's uh, what? What? Any plan in mind for her? Yeah, before yesterday, she just mapped very poorly yesterday, and Jag Jag did make the most of it. And she, even though she was probably a little bit soft late, she was entitled to with the work she did first up. So I think she's a pretty classy filly. And uh, at this stage, we'll just look to maximise the prize money, see if we'll uh, turn her into a genuine Saturday horse, and then. Uh, Maybe just look for a, a nice Phillies man's listed race uh, coming up somewhere. Well, by your own admission, you're a little Greek bloke, but you're a little Greek bloke with big lungs, and you've got a Group Two victory yesterday. So it's been a good weekend for you. Good, good, good luck, and, and we'll talk soon. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you again. There he is, Michael Costa. Yeah, I I don't remember exactly that story you wrote, Ben, but I remember the the circumstances. Very honest, isn't he? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, when he won the the feature race there at Grafton a, a little while back, he um, well, one of the feature races. He, he posted a picture on Twitter of the the, mm. you know, the old house, the rented house he used to live at. So he he um, you know he, he's going well now as a trainer, but he certainly hasn't forgotten his, his fairly humble origins. I mean, he did sleep in his car for a while, as he pointed out. He did have support from his parents. He, he could have slept at his parents' place a bit, but he simply didn't have enough money for petrol to actually get to his parents' place a lot of the time. So look. Um, now, as I as I asked him, there's all those big name Hall of Fame trainers moving to the Gold Coast, and and uh, you know, and, and then the Toby Edmonds. But Michael Costa is very much more than holding his own, um, you know, with, with some of those probably bigger names. On the race itself, um, he was given a good ride by Barry. Capitalised on that, he was good. Uh, I thought every horse had every chance of the race. Colding was well back. It surprised me a little because generally he's not that effective first up and. He was up on speed, but he weakened. So on face value, I'd say he was a little disappointing. Yeah, me too. It was just a tricky race, I thought, for, for Colton. I didn't really know where he'd end up. I probably didn't actually really expect him to be sort of where he was in the run. But I suppose in the, in the wash-up for Seeker, um, bled from both nostrils, um, resulting in a in a three-month ban. So that, you know, could potentially cast doubt over over her racing future um, to some degree, which is which was a bit of a shame. But, um, yeah, all honours to, to, to Michael Costa. And I must admit, I won't forget in a while the scenes of a, a barren doom and no-one there, but literally you could have heard Michael Costa from about four sub- suburbs away screaming at the television. You certainly could have. It was um, it was it was very very loud, and I suppose <laughs> I suppose enhanced by the fact that there was no one there. But uh, they they gave it their best, and, and they got the they got the result. Well, the Golden Rose, of course, will be run on the last Saturday in September. But there's a bit of a while to go before, and a few lead ups. One of those is traditionally the Rosebud, the listed Rosebud. That was the other feature at Royal Ramwick yesterday. Let's have a listen to the replay. Remark went off the favourite here at two ninety, but he was out of luck. Onto the home turn and Sky Command looking to remain unbeaten. Uh, turns the corner in front from Mao Tai in the Congo well positioned. Uh, followed by Mazu pulling out uh, and two further back to Remark is in a very tricky spot at the moment as Paololi moves up on the outside. Remarks in all sorts. Paololi moves to the front now at the 200 and draws two lengths in front. A good battle for the miners at the moment in the Congos getting up on the inside. Remark into the clear but it's way too late. Paololi's off and gone and Paololi goes on to win the Rosebud. From in the Congo, the inside second. And Remark should have finished a lot closer than that. Got up to run the third. In advance of Mao Tai, then came Mazu. Further back to Miss Ostend. Sky Command weakened out from readily available. And Chul was last in. Hard luck story for Remark. And in the Congo, probably didn't have the, the clearest of paths. But there was a comprehensive margin here. Two and a half lengths. And the time was brilliant. They were running good times yesterday. They they upgraded the track from a good four to a good three, but they broke one two for the eleven hundred one one ninety eight thirty three oh nine. Uh, do you think Remark would have won if it had got the run when it closed? Uh possibly. Um, but I mean, look, let's face it. I mean, you can't take anything away from the mm. winner. I mean, uh, that horse, I think, was conceding between maybe two and a half or three to five kilos 
to all of his rivals and you know, produced a really devastating finish. But I, what I sort of took out of the race, I guess, is all these new season three-year-olds, uh, well, not all of them, but the ones that we saw there are certainly very exciting. I mean, the winner was, was terrific. In the Congo looks very promising. Remark was obviously very, very unlucky. And even the Queensland and Mautai, trained by Casey Fongted, um, you know, he's a bit, bit of a head case, this guy, but sort of raced outside the speed, uh, you know, came across from a wide barrier, and I thought he's he just going to dead set drop out and run last. But I thought fought on really well for fourth, and that would be a good learning experience um, for that guy as well. So I sort of thought, you know, the top four in... In that race, we can all follow going forward with some degree of confidence. And, um, yeah, there's some, some pretty exciting horses in that bunch, I reckon. And, obviously, um, you know, more to come in the next few weeks as we lead towards the Golden Race. You make a good point about that race, that there were a lot of promising horses. So we saw them on display yesterday. And what you like to see, certainly early season, how they've developed from their their juvenile time. Have they have they taken a step forward? Have they plateaued? Have they maybe taken a step backwards? But I'm going to put Polali in the category of taking a decent step forward. I know he had a very good two-year-old term. He won three from five, and he, he started off in the late spring and, and went through to the autumn. But he was probably always considered a little below the likes of, as it turned out, Animo and Grey Shadow, just, just talking about Godolphin horses. But I thought there was a lot of, a lot of power in that win, the time and the manner in which he won and McDonald, James McDonald certainly spoke him up. So he'll go to the San Domenico in um, three weeks' time. He's $26 down to 15 for the Golden Rose. But, of course, as we said, Godolphin, they've got a good, a strong uh, armoury with the likes of Adamone and Grey Shadding. They'll be unveiled in the next few weeks. And McDonald, well, he just kept doing what he finished off last season, riding winners at Treble there yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's just probably unbackable to win... Uh, the premiership there in Sydney again. And, yeah, it was just interesting to see him uh, riding a um, Godolphin winner. Of course, he spent all that time as, as Godolphin's, uh, you know, stable rider, I guess, in Australia before, uh, you know, that that, that, bet, that long ban he got. So, yeah, no, it was, it was good to see him winning. And the Godolphin Silks, and, yeah, I think a race we can really, really follow going forward, as I mentioned, I think the top four, and possibly more from that race, but definitely the top four are all good horses we can follow into the spring. That were the highlights from Royal Ramwick. Let's turn our attention to Flemington, the Group 3 Ori Star up the straight. A big field here and an open betting race. Here's the replay. Great again against the inside leads the way. The astrologist travelling up to join him on the outside. King of Hastings the centre. Asar Banquo coming with a run from Serious Suspect and further back too good, too hard coming to the extreme outside but it's the astrologist. He's gone to the front, leads the way. Romancer running on from Banquo regards Marie but it's the astrologist in front of Banquo trying desperately. Romancer the astrologist packing plenty of power. He's a good horse here at Flemington he wins again. Second prize to Romancer, third a photo, Bankway Secret Blaze and Too Good, Too Hard wide out from Irish Songs. Back in behind those serious suspect, Order of Command, Great Again, Asar ran out of steam, King of Hastings pulled too hard, Johnny Get Angry and Tactical Advantage last in. That was his seventh win from start 19 but he certainly has been having a serious impact on Flemington uh, during the winter. He's won uh, his last three there. Troy Corstens, who of course trains in partnership with his dad Leon, joins us. Troy, good morning. Morning, David. How are you? I'm well. We've seen up here, we've seen the astrologist twice. We saw him during the, the summer, during the Magic Millions Carnival. We saw him, we saw him during our carnival just gone here. But uh, nothing went right during the, 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 the latest appearance up here with bad barriers. Yeah, that was it. Uh, unfortunately, we got the visitor's draw uh, for our runs up there and just makes it very hard. He's a, he's a horse that does like to, you know, be forward and be positive, and he just didn't get that chance when we were in Brisbane. I remember talking to you a month or so ago, and uh, you basically said you'd even changed the uh, the astrologer's address on his licence to see if you could get a non-visitor's drawer in Queensland. I mean, did you, did you go home with this horse sort of just scratching your head thinking, what are we going to do now? Or did you always have confidence once you got back uh, to Victoria, to his favourite track there in Flemington, you know, he, he'd be something to beat? Yeah, not not really. Like, uh, we, we went up there with a with a purpose and um, we didn't quite achieve what we were trying to. We were trying to get him into a Stradbroke, but uh, it didn't quite work out that way. But we always knew that when he came home, uh, you know, they don't lose their ability. It's just a matter of... Uh, getting things to go right for him. And, and as as you guys say, you know, he's a horse that loves the, the Flemington straight and he's doing a really good job since he's been back. Troy, um, 
in this day and age, over a 12-month period, there's rarely a time where there's no feature racing. Maybe, maybe July might be a month, but generally... For the rest of the year, there's always something on. So trainers and owners have got to really carefully map plans. You know, do we go here? Do we miss that? But you've got no intention at this stage of easing up on this horse, have you, the astrologist? You've got something in mind next month. Yeah, well, we, we're talking about it at the moment, so we'll just discuss what we're going to do. We're going to send him to the farm tomorrow. Um, he'll go up there for uh, probably 10 days. That'll do him out in the paddock during the day and uh, work in the morning. That'll be beautiful, little freshen up for him. And then... We'll just sort of set in concrete where we are going to head, whether we go to a Bobby Lewis or a, or a Rupert Clark or something like that. And mm. uh, We've got a few options. Um, as long as he it maintains his form and we can uh, carry it through to the spring, I think that um, he, he'd really appreciate it. You've got a big stable of good horses and spring is maybe not quite in the in the air yet, but almost in the air. Is there... Is there one or two that uh, you're really, really, um, you know, looking forward to, uh, you know, unleashing in the spring that you think can be, you know, can, can win some big spring races for you? I mean, can you tip us, uh, tip our listeners into anything from your stable that that might be worth keeping an eye on when it resumes um, with, you know, a spring campaign in mind? Yeah, look, um, probably our best horse is, is Swat Fat. She's she's absolutely come back really. Very, very well, and she looks bigger and stronger, and I think that she can have a bit of a, a breakout preparation this time in. She's a, a four-year-old mare now that's uh, a bit more mature, and, uh, you know, she had a, a terrific uh, crack as a three-year-old, so I think she can really stand up and be counted this spring. Just uh, expanding on that point you made, you, you said you'll send the astrologist to the farm for, for 10 days or so. Is this becoming more the norm than the exception with, with trainers that rather than give horses long spells uh, or, or, you know, reasonable spells, their racing campaigns are longer, just sort of interspersed by a week here, a week there? Yeah, I think uh, it's something that uh, a lot of trainers are doing now. It, uh, like, there's a number of benefits to it. Obviously, if you... I think younger horses really need to go out and have that time off and, and put weight on and, and develop their bone and strength and then they come back and you start again. Whereas an older horse, you tip them out and basically they get fat and podgy. Um, and there's not too many athletes out there. If you go and speak to an Olympian athlete, an Olympic athlete, when they're in the peak of their prime, there's no way that they'd go out and have eight weeks off unless it was for injury or something like that. So I think uh, we've adapted as trainers to... to really keep these horses up to the mark and basically while we're tipping horses the older horses out is because they've had enough so if we can keep them going keep them nice and fresh and keep them interested and happy i think it's a really good way to go about things and the other thing is that you get a lot more bang for your buck for your owners so Mm. if you can keep a horse up and running like we have with this horse um you know he's been up basically since um you know, since the spring of last year. So he, he literally, he, he had a really good uh, spring down here. He won at Packenham, won the big Super Vobis race, came up for the Magic Millions. <coughs> Sorry. And then he, he probably had about two weeks off. And in those two weeks, he went to uh, Kalora, where he really thrived, did a bit of work on the water walker. So we've basically had him up for well over 12 months. Um, and you can just see that uh, he's going really well. So it, it's something that a lot of trainers do now and, and it's something that we try and do to uh, keep our horses happy. Yeah, very interesting comments. Anything more, Ben? Yeah, I've got a hypothetical for you, Troy. You've got a good horse. You you want to jump one way. Your dad wants to jump another way. You have a blue about it. Who wins and why? Um, gee, that's, <laughs> it's not something that we've, um, we, we argue too much about, I've got to say. So... Um, especially with Bennett Racing Horses, Nathan sort of, uh, he gets involved too. So it's usually Nathan and I ganging up against uh, Dad and Phil, <laughs> who's uh, one of uh, Nathan's advisors. So it's the old heads versus the young heads. But, um, yeah, no, we don't, we don't, we don't blow that much, to be honest. It's not really worth uh, fighting over, I can tell you. It's, uh, there's bigger <laughs> things to worry about than uh, where a good horse is going to go. Good on you, Troy. Thanks for joining us this morning and, uh, and good work with the astrologist and, I reckon more than likely we might see you in the summer of next year at the Magic Millions. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, we really we love coming up there. It's, uh, it's a fantastic place and everybody looks after us so well we're up there. And obviously a big thanks to Tony Gollan who, um, who really looked after us uh, when we were up there as well. Good on you, mate. Thanks for this morning. Thanks, Dave. See you then. There he is, Troy Corstens, joining us this morning, part of a, a training partnership with his dad, Leon.
And I was interested in those comments. I wanted to talk about it because I, I'm seeing this more now where horses don't go for big blocks of spells. They have a week off here or two weeks here on, on the water walk or at the farm. And it seems to be a lot of trainers are, are, are following suit. Yeah, well, I mean, you used to um, have very, very defined carnivals, mm. didn't you? Um, and I suppose in some ways you still do. But, I mean, racing is now... Like, there's no downtime, really, in racing. I mean, you can effectively... There's good prize money everywhere. One carnival bleeds into the next one. Exactly. It's a 365-day-a-year gig, whereas, I guess, um, as I mentioned, the carnivals probably used to be a bit more defined. So, yeah, I, I like the way um, they're going. And I, I reckon that stable's really one to follow through the spring. They're going well. And I think ranting... I read another of their good horses is going over to potentially Western Australia to have a crack at the uh, the winner bottom over there. So um, that'll be an interesting horse to follow going forward as well. I'd like to adopt that philosophy of um, of the horses here at the radio station. I don't want to go out for four weeks to get fat and podgy. I'd like a week <laughs> off here and a week off there. Can, can, can David Salmon organise that for me? Is that possible? Yeah, if you got that horse for us yet, aren't we buying one? The the, we're going to call it mm. past the post. Have you organised that? Well, I, I, um, Chris Wessel's been quite silent about it since I spoke last week. Good morning, Chris. <laughs> no, Hope you're listening. Nothing, past nothing the post. The Home he goes. The... You beauty. <laughs> you beauty. Yeah, that'd be very, very nice. Let's turn our attention to Doombin. We raced on a good track, good four running. I think it was a bit better. I think it was a good three. The times indicated that, but... That's a small point. Let's go to race eight. A very exciting prospect here was shooting for gold. He was shooting for three straight wins. Putters thought he'd do it. $1.95. Desert Man going for the lick of his life with 2.50 left to run. Leading the way from F Troop on the outside. He'll be the first challenger. And shooting for gold starts to zoom down the outside. Desert Man the leader. F Troop and shooting for gold are coming strongly now. Here's the favourite. Ah, oh, he's too good for them shooting for gold. Too good. Beat home F Troop. Photo third. Desert Man or totally charmed. Behind them, Cattersby and Just Orm. Then came Snitz, followed by Freddie Foxtrot, Tano Key, and last over the line, Zeppelin in 1364. And Bailey Nadef rides that horse brilliantly. He certainly does. I sort of got it half wrong. I thought the alley might be a, a drama. It didn't turn out that way. Nadef took uh, any bad luck out of the equation, came out about midfield, got him went off the fence and just sat there as cool as a cucumber. Hit that button that says go on it. Not many of the horses have it, but he's got one, and away he went. Matt Hoisted trains in partnership with Steve O'Day. He joined us yesterday morning, and I'm sure he's even in a more buoyant mood today with a win on the board. Morning, Matt. Morning, David. Yeah, I, I, I thought, you know, just at the odds, the, the, the alley presented a, a, an issue, but I'm sure within the first 300 metres, you were a very happy man. Yeah, look, he, he's just so versatile, this horse. Like, that's probably one of his main main attributes. You know, he, he can come from behind, he can come from forward. Um, so we're just with the speed that looked to be on paper, we, we were sort of confident that, you know, we said to Bailey to, um, you know, sort of take the bull by the horns and try and be a little bit positive out of the gates to try and find that position early, hoping that they would sort of, you know, spread him out a little bit and there would be a you know, hole for him to fit into. doesn't always work out that way, but luckily it was. And, you know, Bailey just rated him perfectly um, to get in there and he, he gets on with his horse so well, he knows him so well. And, um, yeah, look, it was great to see him attack the line as we, we know he can. When did he um, commit, well, um, give you the indication that he would be able to ride this horse at 55 and a half? Because that, that is the lightest that Bailey's ridden, I think, in, in 18 months. And it, and it just goes to show the esteem uh, that he holds this horse in, that he, he's really prepared to waste away and, and get down to that mark to, to, to ride that horse yesterday. Yeah, definitely. We straight after on the back of that win um, at Eagle Farm. Prior to this, we were tossing up whether to run in the Classics, you know, which was last week, or, or hold him off for this this race. We knew he'd cop weight in the Classics, so we committed to this race early, and we we knew he'd sort of get in with around. We sort of thought he'd get in around that fifty five, um, you know, fifty five and a half mark, and so Bailey committed then to ride him at fifty five and a half, and we were happy to happy for him to ride you know, that half kilo over on him. And as you said, he, he's we're, still, we're only just starting to see the promise that this horse has. I think even all the last preparation, when everyone was asking about him, we were saying he's, he's doing it all on raw ability. The penny hasn't dropped yet, and he's, it's really starting to drop now. And I think he's only going to keep improving, and I'm sure Bailey was keen to do whatever he could to stay on him. He rides this horse particularly well. I think the reason being that he knows this horse particularly well. I remember saying to Steve O'Day one day when this horse started off, that uh, some figures I, I, I clocked, that um, the times he could run was for a furlong, actually, were, were quite extraordinary. 
And is this the key to this horse performing at his best to hold it up as long as possible and then just let that unbridled speed be unleashed? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's probably a matter of a case that we, we know how fast he is and it's a matter of that he's he's only a sort of smallish type horse and he can just get himself really unbalanced in, in a matter of he just wants to go from 1 to 100 so quickly. So Bailey's got such an understanding of that that he's one you really got to just keep balanced the whole time while allowing him to go through his gears and you can let him sort of go through his gears and stay balanced and he can get, get to that top speed and which is you know, really fast and really let rip you know, really quickly. Yeah, so this horse obviously gets put away um, now, Matt, and everything pretty much from now on for the next six months, everything you do with him in the, in the spell and when you bring him back, all geared towards the Magic Minions Assault? Yeah, definitely. Look, he obviously won't have all that, that much time out now. He'll just have a little little sort of freshen uh, for a few weeks to, to be able to have him back in time for that and just the... Um, at this stage, we'll probably just go through the, the normally other races like the Keith and the Adam George more potentially to target him into um, millions, but we'll um, let him have this little bit of a break and come back and then really sort of sit down and map out a plan for him. He was he was obviously very raw when he contested his first Magic Millions Carnival earlier this year, and you, you took a leap of faith. You went 1,300, 1,400. I felt personally he didn't cope with that distance. Uh, what are your thoughts? Is he... Do you think specifically a 1,100, 1,200 horse? I think at this stage he's just probably too brilliant to run those trips out. I think the, the older he gets, I'm not saying he won't, and the more he sort of learns to relax, it was we probably just caught him on the end of his prep too, going into that Millions Carnival. Obviously, the in the Rising Stars the week before, um, you know, it wasn't Luke Curry's greatest ride. He didn't give him that much of a chance in that race, and we'd sort of committed to running the Magic Millions, so we, we sort of had to run, and he, he drew an outside gate, and... You know, it was three wide on speed, um, so he was never going to finish off there. So I'm not saying in time he wouldn't, but sort of at this stage, he's probably so dynamic, there's probably no need to push him out past 1,200. Um, but as his, as his career unfolds, I'm not saying he won't get 14 in time, but at this this moment in time, we'll probably try and keep, keep him to those shorter trips. Can you give us a bit of an insight into Bailey Nothdurft? Obviously, he was... Uh, the talk of the town, um, you know, when he won the, the, the premiership a couple of seasons ago, he was a kid with the world at his feet. Everything all went a bit pear-shaped, I guess, with his with his weight. And, and I think he probably fell out of love for, with racing for, for perhaps a little while um, as, a, as a result. But everything, uh, you know, he's got his diet, he's got a new manager. Um, you know, he's obviously got great support from you guys and he is getting down. I spoke to him when he left the course yesterday. He thinks he'll be able to ride you know, potentially around the 56 mark. Um, you know, is, is all sort of, all indications are to you that he will have a, a decent career ahead of him in the sport. And do you expect that, you know, if he can ride at that 56, is he a kid that could, again, make a, a decent tilt for a premiership perhaps? Yeah, 100%. Look, I think that was, I think you sort of summed it up pretty perfectly there. I think he probably did just, Fall out of love with the sport. Obviously, it's it's hard. That was back when he was trying to ride 54 all the time. All the time, we know how big he is and how the struggles he's he's got. I think you know, having that bit of time off just really got, you know, reignited that spark for, um, you know, reignited the flame, you know, within him. To and he's he's really sort of focused at the moment and really wants to make a good, good sort of um, go at it. And I think doing that, keeping his weight, just not not trying to ride. You know, obviously, for certain horses like yesterday, for example, can have a have a go riding under 56, but if he can just target just trying to stay at 56 and ride that comfortably, he's going to give himself every opportunity. And I think we've saw with what Ryan was able to do last year, you know, obviously not not being able to ride those lighter, you know, those take those lighter rides, but still just concentrate on riding around that mark. You know, he can still make a really good fist of it and can um, well and truly be riding the in the Premiership hunt this season. There was a rumour circulating during the week that they're thinking of running a million-dollar, thousand-metre sprint at the Sunshine Coast. Would you be interested in that with Totally Charmed? Yeah, well and truly. Look, he's, I'm um, joking, by the way. I made that yeah, obviously. <laughs> I made um, that but no, he, he, was, he was outstanding yesterday. Look, it was just a bit unfortunate the way that he, the way that things fall, that, um, you know, he Doombin isn't really attracted maps perfectly for him. Um, but still thought he, he let down sensationally. So he's still on track. We'll, we'll probably head to the gold market with him in, in just under three weeks' time. Unfortunately, we bump into alligator blood there. But, um, look, he's a horse going really well and he's, he's deserving of his chance at stakes grade. And, um, look, hopefully he can, he can run well there as well. Contemptuous ran out of his skin first up. He ran into a smart one, Tremonto. You knew that was always on the cards, but his run was good. 
Yeah, he was great. He probably just stepped away, touch awkwardly. Um, you know, we probably thought we could have had the run that the winner, the winner did have. But in saying that, we still had a had a great running friends that were able to stalk it. And unfortunately, just just with the probably the weight uh, weight allowance that it had on us, it just probably was able to pick up and sprint a little bit better than us. But he was great through the line, and you know, he's um, he's come back bigger and better this preparation. He's in for a really good prep. Good work, Matt. Thanks for being with us this morning. No, no worries. Matt Hoisted joining us. Of course, he trains in partnership with Steve O'Day. Shooting for gold actually individually ran 33 seconds from the 600 metres to the winning post. So that shows you the the, the the pace he's got within him. And he's an exciting prospect. And this is the thing too, Ben, that these horses, they're, out, they're, they're lightly raced. They keep taking a step forward. This is a classic case. And what's his record now? Seven wins from 11 starts. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, um, certainly in um, this guy's three-year-old year, I reckon there might have been some offers coming in, but but he's a windsucker, unfortunately, this horse. So he probably doesn't get out over a whole lot more distance than, than what he's been racing over. But he's, gee whiz, he's a talent, isn't he? I mean, and you know what, like... I know he was he was sort of still well back in the field, but after two or three hundred metres, uh, you know, just watching that race live on track, mm. you just sort of knew he was going to win. I mean, Bailey just got him into such a lovely spot. You sort of thought, gee whiz, I mean, only bad luck will stop him uh, winning from here. And he produced, so he's an exciting one for sure for uh, the Magic Millions. And, um, yeah, it's interesting that um, that Matt referenced that gold market in a couple of weeks. That'd be, gee whiz, that'd be a, a cracking race. There's some good types going there and, and Alligator Blood. Uh, will resume there before being sent to Melbourne, um, you know, for a pair of Group 1s and obviously on a Cox Plate Pass. So that's a Friday meeting, that gold market. Um, but where are we? Um, you know, seeing Alligator Blood come back. Uh, James Orman will ride on the Gold Coast that day before Glenn Boss takes over um, for the Sir Rupert Clark and the Two Rack in Melbourne. So I can't wait to see Alligator Blood come back and whether he can recapture his breathtaking uh, three-year-old form as a five-year-old. The gold market is on the last Friday of August to coincide with their show date. The Bailey Native story is an interesting one. I'm sure you've got some comments on this. It's a it's a fairly unique case for a premiership-winning jockey virtually abandoning uh, his position but then saying, I am coming back. It's tough to do. You get out of the, the, um, the beltway for, you know, only a few weeks or so. Trainers forget about you. Trainers go to someone else. Owners forget about you. He came back, um, you know, uh, went around the, the, the provincial circuit with the, the big weights. He's worked on his weight. Usmanov was a horse that put him back in lights for, for Toby and Trent Evans. This is a horse shooting for gold. It's putting his name up in lights. It's a favourite. It has a lot of attention. He's riding it well. But he still needs to go a lot further. I mean, one swallow doesn't make a summer. He needs good support from good stables to, to bring him back to where maybe he wants to be now. Yeah, I think that's going to come, though, David. And you know what? I love this kid, Bailey Northworth. I think he's, um, he, his attitude right at the moment is fabulous. He, he's a terrific rider. I mean, the problem he's going to have, obviously, is he's tall and he's got to keep his, his weight under control and, and how many <clears throat> months, years, et cetera, he can do that for. Um, who knows? But I think really the, the key to his success going forward is, um, as Matt referenced, not trying to drastically waste away mm. to ride sort of, you know, try and ride 54, 50, 55, you know, like which he was doing when, when he sort of won that um, premiership. I think he's come to the realisation now that's not healthy for him. He, he just, he, you know, it's not healthy physically. It's not healthy mentally. Uh, it's not going to, you know, achieve anything, you know, wasting dramatically away to, to, to ride at light weight and then having that sort of rebound effect when you put on a bit of weight. It, it's not good for you. Um, he, he, You know, he, so he's basically put the line through riding at those weights and just, as Matt said, you know, pretty much doing what Ryan uh, Maloney does. So, look, I, I think he's... I think he's in a great spot physically. He's in a great spot mentally. I've got no doubt being a champion, um, you know, rider from a couple of seasons ago, he will get more and more support. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I really, really wish him well. I mean, we've got a lot of exciting apprentices coming through the ranks. It wasn't that long ago. Bailey was an apprentice himself. But, look, I, I you know, really wish him all the best. And I, I can't see if he can keep riding at the weight, you know, he is at the moment and keep 
riding in the manner he is and even improve his form, I think he's going to get more and more support and we will see him right back up the top of those premiership charts again. I'm sure you'd agree with me. He's got such an unassuming personality, um, very modest, that that you're willing him on to do well, aren't you? Everyone wants him to do well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he, his life away from the races has probably settled down a bit. He's in Turtle Dove, I'm hearing. He's fallen in love with a, a lovely young lady. So that's that's terrific. Uh, I think he's really, um, you know, Tony Gollum was, was fabulous for him, gave him um, gave him a, a lot of support. But, of course, riding for, for Tony Gollum comes with, its you know, a lot of pressures in, in itself. Um, you know, uh, nothing sort of taken away from that. But I think he's kind of enjoying not flying under the radar, but, but perhaps working for a, for a smaller stable. Um, I mean, you know, Matt Hoisted and Steve O'Day still have a significant stable, but but they're not the, the Tony Gollan type stable. So he's enjoying doing that. He's doing everything uh, right. He's got uh, a new manager, Liam Pryor, who I, I know away from um, racing is is terrific for his jockeys. He's he's much more about the, the, than just you know booking rides and stuff like that. Like he looks after them very much away from the game in terms of you know diet plans and, and even you know mental health aspects and, and and all sorts of things so i think bailey's in a really nice spot and yeah i'm certainly cheering for him uh to ride many more more winners and can't see any reason why he won't i think in this 24 7 business that racing is sometimes we forget these are young men and young women and they're still growing up not only physically but mentally as well Nathan Exelby and I were on a unity ticket in the last race. We both liked a horse called At Wit's End. When we selected it, both of us selected it at 8 or $9. We thought, well, the punters will follow. It started $15. Here's the replay. And the leader was stuttering. At Witzender's closing. Wabatee's had a cushy run in third, trying to navigate away from the railer. Then came Snowzone, really discreet fifth of the term. Spectroscope, Roman Aureus on the way forward. Then seeing is believing, Supergiant and Impasse. Stuttering led the way. At Witzender on the outside is issuing a strong challenge. Wabatee's up to third. Really discreet needs to get a move on. At Witzender, the leader with 100 to go. Wabatee's trying hard with really discreet. Roman Aureus running on. At Witzender in front. He'll do it. At wit's end. Big odds and one again. Beat home Wapiti. Not sure about third. Roman Aureus are really discreet with stuttering not far away. Supergiant passing a few. And then came at the head of the others. Spectroscope followed by seeing his believing in pass and snow zone. Dropped out to run last in one nineteen twenty eight. Yes, at wit's end is absolutely flying for Lismore trainer Owen Glue. He started this winning role winning at Ipswich on Cup Day. He came to Doombin a month ago. Terrific win. They were going fast up front. He was wide, exposed, but he kept finding the line. And he goes out again uh, at $15. Yes, they actually SP'd at 14 It's the old story, mate. The uh, the more they win, the bigger the price. Yeah, it's just funny listening to you call that race, Dave. Or, or just the last final few stages, I would have expected a little bit more excitement in your voice there. Not enough money on it, mate. <laughs> Not enough money on it. <laughs> in fact, I was... I don't know. I'm assuming it's the tab. So you had some. You still had a couple of nervous moments to get through, even after backing that horse, because of course there was a protest fired in uh, by James Orman, who rode uh, Wapiti, the second place horse, who, who was taking a little bit of, uh, you know, some some margin off the winner at the end, alleging interference at the 800 metres mark. Now it was dismissed, but Stewart's actually took a, a you know reasonable time uh, to, to consider it. Um, you know. Uh, there was some interference there, but I think, you know, with the, you know, there was, uh, you know, a, a decent, still a decent margin in the end, and because it was at the 800 metre mark, it was impossible to say that it certainly cost Wapiti the race, and it was a very good ride, I must say, um, by Brad Stewart on the winner. We expect nothing less, but as far as the practice was concerned, ambitious at best, frivolous at worst. <laughs> Is that your pocket talking, David? Uh, well, no, but I, I just thought. Well, I suppose you've got if you if you if, if you can have a go, you've got to have a go. So I, I understand Jimmy Orman doing it, but eight hundred metres from home seemed a, a bridge too what? far, which ultimately it was, what? I suppose. I must admit, I totally agree with you. I walked in there thinking, "Gee, whiz, this is close to frivolous." But um, the stewards took six or seven minutes to consider it. Like I was actually waiting outside the stewards' room for some time, so they must have at least given it, you know, some consideration. They gave it more consideration certainly than I thought they would. I was branded by someone after the last race as a winner and a whinger. They said, you win and you still whinge because I took the, I took the <laughs> wrong price. So, so be it. I'll wear, I'll wear that badge. Let's go to the race. We talked about Contemptuous with, with Matt Hoisted. Ran a really good second, but I like this winner, Tremotto. Here's the replay.
This line of three around the turn. Kavak Shen, Jamie, leadership spell. Tremato has to swing deep now to try and put himself into the race. Wicked Wench was looking for a run. Then Spirit House. Contemptuous needs to get a move on as well. Look at this extravagant action of Tremato. He's trying to reel in Kavak, who's still in the lead. Contemptuous runs on strongly now. Tremato racing up, hitting the lead. 100 to go. Tremato in front. Contemptuous drives late. Too late, brother. Tremato beat Contemptuous. Third over the line was Kavak and Wicked Wench ran fourth. Then Shanjomi, Spirit House, leadership spell. And Annie Moore last him, 60 and 56. Yes, Tremonto the winner. And he does have an extravagant action. Throws that leg out. But uh, Johnny Field, who trains down on the Gold Coast, um, considering, I heard him say, post-race, looking towards the end of the year, maybe a race like the Silver Eagle. Uh, as he said, not too many good races for four-year-olds. But this, this fellow's been a fine during the carnival. Yeah, he did um, talk about the Silver Eagle. It's $500,000 race. And I guess these horses are only four once, aren't they? Mm. So, look, um, why not try and have a throw at the stunts? I think he was purchased online, this horse, um, for only about, I think it was $20,000 or something in that vicinity. So, look, this is another horse that will um, go to the gold market, I gather, which is that, you know, alligator blood race at the Gold Coast later this month. So, um, yeah, that'll be a terrific race, won't it, on a Friday. Certainly will. Our last replay is the opening race of the day. This was the early season three-year-old. Hamlet von Stitzel was the favourite at $1.80. was the first horse gone. Heading by the 600 metres, that first 750, that's pretty solid, 44.07. Hamlet von Stetzel trying to lead all of the way, has run it at a good gallop, released the beads ahead away at the 400 metre turn. Rocketardi third, a bib drop back a shade. Then General Wolf, yes, we're ready, Vashani Tulip and Durrani. Hamlet von Stetzel under siege from release the beans, and Hamlet von Stetzel is under pressure. It's gone. Goes to the lead now, release the beans. Can a run on horse come home? General Wolf starting to pick up strongly, but release the beans has got a margin. Running on was Rocketardi with General Wolf, but release the beans will do it. And beat home Rocketardi, General Wolf, and Durrani. Then came Mashani, Chilipa, Bib, followed by Yes, Meridian. Oh dear. Hamlet von Snitzel, the last. 1971, the gallop. I couldn't find anything amiss with it uh, post, uh, post race, uh, Hamlet von Snitzel, just to run right out of character, but release the beans. A run right in character. He doesn't know how to run a bad race. He's had the four starts for three wins for Rob Heathcote, and Rob Heathcote using Luke Dippman to ride yesterday. Yeah, I know um, Rob Heathcote really thought uh, the, the tactics of this race were really to serve it up to Hamlet Von Snitzel, put, it, put a lot of pressure on the favourite, um, get into it early. And, you know, Rob just thought the favourite might be a bit vulnerable in this. And as it turned out, uh, he was absolutely right. I think Rob's considering perhaps uh, one more run for this newly turned three-year-old. And, yes, you're right, Luke Dittman rode yesterday at 59 kilos. But I think next time, uh, with the weight this horse will get, Leah Kilner, um, you know, the three kilo claiming apprentice uh, will come into play. And that's an interesting story in itself. Uh, she's now, um, you know, she's obviously from Grafton. She's staying uh, with Stephanie Thornton and um, Ben Thompson, who's taken her into their house. And Rob Heathcote is looking at taking Leah Kilner on full time uh, as an apprentice. He's, she's currently on loan. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Ben Dorries joining us this morning here on Pass the Post. We'll take a short break and then we'll head north on the other side of this break. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Into the straight lip, the moment the leader from Play Me Now. Hail Manhattan on the outside under the whip is third. Fortifications getting into the clear and unbiased is coming home from a long way back. Play Me Now at the 150 in front. Fortifications coming with a big run. Bearing C's getting through with unbiased. He's a big finish. Fortification, Bearing C, Fortification. Fortifications won it from Bearing C. Third, not sure. We've got Play Me Now and Unbiased together. They were followed next in by Stu by Hail Manhattan. Bayesian Gold Buster Block loud enough to Nero. Yeah, gold riding fortification for Geoffrey Court. Congratulations, Jeff. Of course, had a stint training down here in southeast Queensland, but he's made North Queensland his base. And uh, he's uh, had fortification. Brian and Dan Guy used to train this horse. And uh, Jeff's done a terrific job with it, winning the Townsville Cup yesterday. Let's go now to the Cleveland Bay, the big uh, North Queensland sprint.
Master Jamie held together at the 350, leads into the straighter half length. Dr. Zeus travelling strongly. Langro gets to the outside, followed by Dallin. Then came Inquiry for Nah. Deeper out, Space Time, Willie Good. And then Bold Style, but down inside the 200, Master Jamie, Dr. Zeus clear of Langro. It's on the inside, Master Jamie. He's kicked strongly, Master Jamie. He's going to go home all the way from Dr. Zeus. Third in was Fanar flashing home from Langro. And then came Dallin, followed by So You Dream Last Chance, Willie well, for a North Queensland trainer winning a Cleveland Bay is a big thrill. It's the uh, it's the premier sprint up in the north. I know Master Jamie just missed out at Rocky, but uh, he came up trumps yesterday and Graham Green's his trainer. Graham, congratulations. Thank you very much, David. Um, a good effort too, because one thing about this horse is he's a winner. I think he's won 14 races, but he ma- generally makes his own luck. So they've all got their chance to run him down and they couldn't do it yesterday. Yeah, it was uh, a bit of front-runner's track yesterday, but um, it's saying that, that the shorter straight in Townsville helped a lot. Um, unfortunately, the, the big, long straight in Rockhampton, they, like the 600 metres, had that little bit extra time to run him down, and, and they got him just on the line. But, um, no, it was, a, it was a tremendous effort yesterday. Very proud of the horse. How confident were you, Graeme, heading into yesterday? We obviously remember this horse uh, really well um, in southeast Queensland from you know, qualifying for the Stradbroke. Um, he had not won, I guess, since December uh, at Eagle Farm. Uh, obviously, was down the track in the Stradbroke, had a couple of runs in Rocky. Did you go into the race yesterday full of confidence or, or was it a, a sort of a suck at the sea job? No, prior to the barrier draw, I was very confident. But uh, when we drew wide, and, and I've never raced it council before so I wasn't quite sure that the track layout but um, you know the more people I spoke to and they're saying what a good run the, the 1300 is in Townsville you know I was, I was getting a little bit more confident as the day went on but um, the horse himself you know, like uh, is a victim of circumstances and a few of his runs down south this time round he was carried big weight in Rocky in one run and, and then just get pipped in the um, in the feature race there at Rockhampton but uh no, he, he's, he hasn't disappointed at any stage, so put it that way. No, he's a real try. Would you be tempted to take him to Cairns, either for the Jockey Club Carnival or the Amateurs? I would be, but I'm not going to. But um, he's had a long winter. He's had some very hard racing down south. There's, you know, he was racing against the best in Queensland at that time. Um, yeah, to do the right thing by the horse, we'll give him a little freshen up now and then uh, look for a couple of races for him after that. Good on you, Graham. We've run out of time, but thanks for this morning and um, happy travels home. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Graham Green trains at Rockhampton and prepared Master Jamie to win the Cleveland Bay and a, certainly a, a more than honourable mention to Brad Pengelly, a rider much understated, but uh, oh, he gives them every chance. And he took Master Jamie to the lead, dictated the terms, and the best horse won the race, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. And wasn't it great seeing all those people? Oh, uh, huge. Trucks, trackside. It was funny. Like, I was at Doom and as you were, there was just dead set no one there. You could have shot a gun and not killed anyone. You, you look at the screen and there's just <laughs> they're 10 deep at Townsville. So, uh, look, it was obviously a, a fabulous day up there. And look, probably, um, apart from the barrier, I mean, that, that horse would have started a lot shorter than I think the $5 it did. It's, it certainly had better credentials than any of its opposition, I would have thought. Thanks for your time this morning, mate. Look forward to uh, you joining me on Press Room tomorrow morning. Yeah, can't wait. Cheers, David. Ben Norris from News Limited joining us each uh, Sunday on Past the Post. And as I outlined, he'll be with us tomorrow morning on Press Room. Hopefully we've got your company then as well for tomorrow morning, 8.30 Queensland and Tasmanian time, of course, half an hour early in South Australia and the Territory. And that is another edition of Past the Post brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Don't forget that website. Detailed uh, analysis of all the horses that are there for sale with the leading trainers. You'll be winning races. Archer Park Racing dot com dot au. Have a good day. Bye bye.